and welcome to Undercommon Taste. This is a podcast where we create and discuss homebrew content for tabletop RPGs. And this week, may the odds be ever in your favor. I'm Ian Woodworth. I'm joined by my co-host James Daly. And today we are talking about our March Madness event. We're really talking about our favorite monsters. <laughs> Some of them, yes. Most of yeah. I, I don't know. A lot of my monsters are too low CR to make it onto this list. Fair point. But... We have decided that we are going to take the highest CR monsters in D&D and pit them against one another in 1v1 fights until a clear winner emerges. Yeah, like we got to say last week with our interview with Declan, which was an amazing interview. Go back and check that out. Romance and Tabletop Gaming was a really fun episode. But if all the sports people can steal our tabletop fantasy stuff with their fantasy sports, then we're still in their March Madness brackets with our monsters and they can just deal with it. Right, yeah. So we do have a bracket that you can fill out. It will be going up at the same time as our announcement for the release of this episode. We'll be posting it to our Patreon account. It'll be free to access, but that's where we're going to direct everybody to. So grab it, download it, fill it out, send it back. And the person who has the best bracket at the end of March, whenever we wrap up our whole shebang, is going to get a giveaway prize. Now, when they're filling out those brackets and they're sending it back, where do you want them to send it back to? Send it back to us at our email account, undercommontaste at gmail.com. That way it'll be easier for me to find them all. Perfect. And I will respond to every email when I get it. So if you send me an email and you don't get a verification that I got it, you can send me a follow-up and say, hey, did you get it? Send me a direct message through a Twitter account at UCT Homebrew. Just send us a direct message, and I will look for it. Because Just remember, there is a day job involved. <laughs> and spam filters are a thing. But yeah, we have a dice box slash spell slot tracker that we got from Stevens Woodworking whenever we did our 1,000 follower giveaway on Twitter. It was an extra that he sent us, and I've been holding on to it for a good reason to give it away. And I think that this is a good enough reason to give it away. So I will be posting pictures of that on our Twitter account, on our Instagram and Facebook, so you get an idea of what you can win if you win. Right. And I mean, these are handmade. These are actually really nice dice boxes. He did great, beautiful, beautiful work. And again, very happy to have his products to do as a giveaway. So thank you. Yes. So James, given that this is your brainchild, your baby, <laughs> how about you go ahead and run us through a little bit of the basics of what exactly we're going to be doing? Okay. Basically, this is everyone's March Madness brackets that everybody wastes about a week of everybody's work week sitting there filling out their brackets for their office betting pools, except we're doing this with our monsters and we figured we'd go ahead and take the highest CR monsters in D&D through the available materials that are out. One because unless you specifically run like an epic level party, we don't always get to play with these big bad evil guys and we kind of want to see what they can do. We kind of want to throw them together in the particle collider and watch them smash each other up, which is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> it really is. And so I kind of want to see what Cinderella story pops out of this too. I want to see, you know, the, the 16 seed upset the number two seed and go on it and make it to the final four. They shouldn't be there by all recollection, but there they are, you know. So I'm hoping we get some great stories coming out of this. The mechanics we're going by we're going by mostly rules as written we are going to take a 
couple shortcuts just so we're not spending hours rolling these out because again these high level monsters are not supposed to be brushed off the table quickly or easily and so we're not spending an hour Ian and I rolling against each other like an old-fashioned 2e cleric battle where you make every spell save (laughs) we are parsing some rules back so our dragons which are like what 16 15 of our 32 it's Um, a huge majority strangely i think we did the count and we got 19 total yeah 19 of 32 of these are going to be great worms so we're in for a lot of fun so we've got the 15 great worms between the chromatic metallic and gem dragons and then we've got niv mizzet from ravnica we've got uh velomachus from strixhaven and then we have the aspects of tiamat and bahamut Respectively, yeah. So again, we've got, strangely enough, in a Dungeons Dragons podcast, we've got a lot of dragons coming up. We got a ton of dragons in this. That said, with all of these dragons, these great worms tend to have an aspect called awakening. When they drop to zero hit points, they awaken, they get almost all of their hit points back immediately, and they come back into the fight. We're bridging that just because, again, we don't want to be here rolling dice. I mean, we love rolling dice, but we don't want it to take four hours each. So when a creature drops to zero hit points, it is eliminated. It is done, down, and out. We also determined that things like imprisonments, plane shifting, force cages, things like that, that would permanently disable or teleport or otherwise remove the opponent from play will not be a victory condition. While this would be a grand strategy for a few of the monsters that are coming up, we are not going to allow this to be. So this will take some strategy off of their table unfortunately also we do plan to try to role play these as much as possible so an intelligent creature should fight intelligently and we will discuss this a brutish creature is going to fight brutishly we are going to play these as a dm would play these creatures against a party on a table it's just going to be monster versus monster king of the monsters godzilla doesn't show up this week he doesn't have a high enough cr sorry (laughs) well the tarask is almost godzilla the tarask is like godzilla's great (laughs) Yeah, the Tarrasque is as close to Godzilla as you can get in published material. The Tarrasque is what Godzilla has on his wall as a poster for inspiration as a teen. You know, it's like, I'm going to be like the Tarrasque one day. (laughs) Uh, Don't let Eric over there at Goblin's Corner hear you say that. I mean, (laughs) Godzilla is his scaly patron. I I love Godzilla. He will take great umbrage with this. He can take Umbridge. I'm sorry. The Tarrasque would raffle stomp old Godzilla. And I again, I too love Godzilla. I love Blue Oyster Cult. Oh no, there goes Tokyo. Godzilla ain't got nothing on Terry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I would also like to propose that this has to remain a 1v1 fight. So creatures that have the ability to summon allies can't summon allies to help them fight. Okay, I mean we can do um, that. And I again, think that's I think that's primarily going to be the archfiends. Right. So that's going to be the archdevils and the demon lords. Correct. Because we got them in here too, boys and girls. We've got a couple of them. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I'm okay with that. That will, again, make them a little weaker on the table, but I don't think it'll be game-breaking by any stretch. Well, everything should be able to win or lose by its own merits. Correct. So these are going to be individuals that are fighting one another with the strength of their stat block. Correct. And especially since it is a 1v1 fight, you summon two pit fiends into the fight beside you, and that throws the action economy way off. And suddenly, one side has a truly disproportionate amount of damage compared to the other. 
Yeah, this is potential. And I believe rules as written, if a monster were to summon allies in that point, those allies each keep their own CR and offer their own reward XP as well. And so that being that being the case, this is stat block versus stat block as best as we can perform. Yeah. So we did also discuss before the stream legendary actions, legendary actions and resistances. To speed things along, we are going to nix all legendary resistances. We're going to treat it as though their resistances have all been used up. Right. And again, this just kind of keeps things, it really balances out because most of these are dragons. Most of these all have some oh, form Every of single legend- one of these has a legendary, legendary resistance. resistance. Right. So yeah. we can just go ahead and burn those off the top, kind of like a uh, Texas Hold'em deal, you know, just kind of burn your first card. Burn all your resistances so we have fresh cards we know it's the flambe <laughs> the flambe <laughs> this way we know the deck isn't stacked one way or the other again this balances out it, it winds up being neutral so i don't see much of a change either way with changing this rule either so i had initially proposed that we also eliminate legendary actions james wanted to leave them in so we discussed for a bit and came to an accord on how we would balance them out. So legendary actions are going to remain. If the legendary action takes two or three actions of their legendary action pool to perform, it will instead have a recharge attached to it. So if it takes two actions, it'll suddenly become a recharge on five or six, just like a dragon's breath weapon. And if it takes three actions, then it will recharge on a six. Right. And that's mainly just to keep you from spamming your cost three legendary action every single round. Correct. Also going through, I really like the legendary actions. Some of them are just kind of awesome. Honestly, I like them a lot. And two, that extra end of your opponent's turn action should help us speed up combat a little bit. Again, there's some time management involved. That is a DM trick that DMs need to learn. Sometimes sometimes combat has to go a little faster. Rarely does it need to go a little slower until, you know, someone critically kills your Hydra or something like that. Which again, Hydra's not here. Shouldn't be an issue. <laughs> until your champion fighter walks in and hit, 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 crit, hits your boss. You exactly. Know. Not that we've ever... <laughs> Ever had that happen before no not not on a life <laughs> play no <laughs> um, and one other thing that i want to propose in terms of speeding things along i think that we should go ahead and use the average damage on all of their attacks and abilities Okay, I, I was getting instead instead of rolling damage every single time. I was looking forward to pulling out a brick of d6s, but yeah, okay, we can use the averages and I'm okay with that. Okay, because I've gone ahead on our back end, I've gone ahead and written up cheat sheets for everybody that we're going to be using. Um, and I've gone ahead and put the average damage in. So it'll be as simple as Excellent. just, just yeah, looking that, that at perfect. the numbers. So that'll speed things along. Wait, I have to pay attention now? <laughs> You have to pay attention enough to keep track of your hit points. Uh, Fair enough. Okay. There was one other thing that I wanted to bring up. Oh, yes. How we're going to determine which of us plays which creature. Yes. So as we have stated, everybody has already been seated one through 32. The creatures are seated in the order that they come up whenever you sort by challenge rating on D&D Beyond. That is as impartial as we could get. So if you take issue with our seating, take it up with D&D Beyond. 
Yeah, it's all about the Wizards, man. <laughs> Whenever we went through and made our brackets, we ended up with 31 unique creatures of CR 25 or higher. There are three creatures on the list that we excluded from the list, two of them because they are exact duplicates. So we excluded Tiamat because Aspect of Tiamat is on the list. And we excluded Zeriel because Archduke Zeriel of Avernus from Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus is on the list. We the also th- excluded Bahamut because the aspect of Bahamut is also on the list. Um, I don't think that they had a block for straight Bahamut okay. prior to Fizzbands coming out. Okay. Well, we um, do have Fizzbands are, are a lot of these creatures are from. So yes. Yeah. Yes. And the last one is Cloth. K-L-A-U-T-H is the ancient red dragon from Storm King's Thunder. He got bumped off the list because there is the red great worm on the list. And we didn't want to include two red dragons. Right. Niv-Mizzet and Velimachus are both from Magic the Gathering IPs. And so they don't fit into the direct one type of dragon correlation. So that's why they made it into the list. Right. While they are both red in color they do not belong to the chromatic dragon flights or chromatic dragon lists as they were and again they are different enough so even if you go on your own check out those creatures they both seem really interesting i am looking forward to seeing more of their lore if wizards decides to develop them more into DD versus magic the gathering they could be kind of awesome I, I like how those are going and so what i was getting at before i got distracted the 32nd spot is actually going to be filled by one of our homebrew monsters Tarakis the shale spider which was the creature that we made with the guys from abyssal brews whenever they were on Tarakis the shale spider came out at a cr 28 so Tarakis is at the bottom of the cr 28 block so is the lowest seeded CR-28 sitting just above the Black Great Worm, which is the highest seeded CR-27. That was the best place that I could figure to put it. No, that's a good place to put this. And I'm really excited because this is going to show how well our CR statting is working currently. And again, we are taking our CR statting pretty much straight from the Dungeons Master Guide. So now we've made a pretty beefy, big, bad, evil guy. And we are going to put him up against monsters that are going to be close-ish to his CR rating and we will see how it performs versus monsters of a similar rating. Theoretically, it might win its first one, but I mean, if it blows through and becomes the Cinderella story, as it were, we might need to read just how we're doing our CR ratings. I don't think this is going to be the case, but again, it's going to give us kind of a on-the-table playtest of some of the stuff we've worked with over the past year and a half. Yeah. All right. And then how we are going to determine which of us plays which monster is good old dice rolls oh good old dice rolls so i have to put the olive oil away then well i mean (laughs) we are still distancing okay yeah it's hard to oil wrestle and social distance at the same time (laughs) but we're gonna have a good old-fashioned roll off and the higher roll gets the higher seeded monster it's going to be that simple yeah i mean really we're trying to keep it as neutral and fair there are some monsters coming up as we do this that i really hope i get to roll because they look to be a lot of fun or their personal favorites i'm not saying we have an inevitable somewhere in the ranks but um it's inevitable 
Yeah. <laughs> we certainly do, because the Marut was a CR-25. Yes, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm also kind of looking forward to the Warforged Colossus. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. It is. So we are going to be doing all of these a little bit ahead of time, and then once per day, I'm going to be releasing a short video on our YouTube channel and our TikTok channel, which we now are on TikTok. Surprise. Yay, we're trendy. <laughs> <laughs> and so once a day, I'm going to be dropping that day's fight with a 60 second recap of what happened and who won. So that way you can keep track on your bracket of what's going on when. I think at the end of each full round, too, we'll probably post the bracket as we have it completed up on our Twitter as well. That way, if you want to follow along, you can hop in. I would also say our cutoff dates for bracket submissions will be at the end of the first round completion. Uh, We do need to figure that out. No, it's going to be March 1st. March 1st? Okay. You're going to have to have brackets in before the first match is announced. Okay. Which is going to be interesting because we're going to do the first match tonight on the podcast, which is going to be a bonus freebie for anyone who listens to the podcast. So if you listen to the podcast, you will know exactly who wins this first bout so that you will automatically get one win on your bracket. So that is your incentive to listen to our podcast. (laughs) We're not petty at all. No, Um, not at all. Okay, so let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and go through the brackets as they sit right now. Excellent. We have starting with the one we're going to do tonight, 16 versus 17, the green great worm versus the topaz great worm. I'm going to have to go with topaz just because as a lapidary, I like the shiny things. So that's where my heart's going to lie. And the gem dragons with their psionics do have that little bit of extra something, something going on. Right. And that is something that's really neat with Fizzbins is they are starting to bring back more of the psionic spells that flooded third edition. And you hadn't really seen them in fifth edition. And now they're starting to make a peak again, which is kind of fun. Yes. All right. 15 V 18, the white great worm versus Orcus. Again, really looking forward to see how Orcus does. The Breaker of Mechanus. Love it. 14 v 19. This is going to be an interesting one. The Red Great Worm versus Archduke Zeriel of Avernus. That is going to be so, so much fun. And it's going to be interesting because they're both fire. Yes. And I can't remember if Zeriel is immune to fire or not. She's actually immune to frost and cold, of all things, when she has the hammer from, uh, oh, I forget the creature's name, who also happens to be on this list, but he's got the... Uh, Bell? Is no, it Bell's it's not, hammer? No, it's not Bell's hammer. It's... Uh, I can't say his name, but... Uh, oh, yeah. The hammers, yeah, the hammers Moktolov or something like that. Uh, we should know this as we're doing a podcast. But anyway, we didn't plan for this at all. <laughs> Can you tell? Anyway, while she has the said great hammer, she is immune to all all frost and, and cold damage. So if she makes it up against the white frost dragon, she's going to have a huge advantage. Right. Yes. Going to look it up. Uh, her damage immunities are cold, necrotic, and poison, but she is resistant to fire and radiant. 
Yes. And also bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage that is non-magical or non-silvered. That said, most of the attacks she's going to be facing in this bracket will be classified as magical. Yes. So I honestly think that the Red Great Worm is going to win that one fairly handily. Because even with its outgoing fire damage being halved, none of Zeriel's bonus fire damage is going to go through on that dragon. Potentially, yeah. So she's going to be losing about a third of her DPS. Gotcha. Because all of her melee attacks have that fire damage attacked onto it. Right. That's just my prediction. (laughs) Don't listen to me. 13v20, the blue great worm versus the sapphire great worm. I'm kind of excited for this one just to see blue dragons go at each other. Yeah, it's going to be great. 12v21, the black great worm versus Niv-Mizzet. I'm liking this. I like how Niv-Mizzet is. Again, this is one of those that came from elsewhere. Niv-Mizzet came from... uh, Ravnica. Ravnica, yeah. And kind of a cool creature from when I was starting to get into and do a little bit of research. I'm going to have a warm spot for Niv-Mizzet. I remember when Niv-Mizzet was good on the meta in Magic the Gathering, back when I played Magic the Gathering in high school. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, Niv-Mizzet was great. Next is 11v22, Tarrakis the Shale Spider, our little homebrewed beauty, versus the Amethyst Great Worm. Well, again, I love the shinies. I'm going to root for ours just because, I mean, it's our... It's our just because, it's our, yeah. It's our baby monster. <laughs> it is. Uh, next is 10v23, Raktulkesh versus the Crystal Great Worm. Raktulkesh is from Eberron. Right. And Raktulkesh, if I recall correctly, is the Lord of Dust. He's kind of frightening. He's got this draconic shape covered in iron spikes. He is the aspect of like greed and rage. And he's just, he is a battle god. Again, like the shiny things of the crystalline dragons, just a plain white crystal, a little lackluster, but we'll see. Uh, next, 9v24, the silver great worm versus the emerald great worm. This will be a lot of fun. Again, the silver great worms are going to be the smaller of your metallic dragons. And the emerald, I just, I think emerald great worm, I honestly, I think of the emerald monster from Final Fantasy VII. And yeah, I just kind of want to see it wreck stuff. 8v25. The Gold Great Worm versus Tromocratus. I was discussing Tromocratus with Ian. This is going to be an interesting monster. Don't want to give too much away, but basically a giant tentacle monster. And this is another one from Ravnica, right? Correct. Correction number one. Tromocratus is actually from Mythic Odysseys of Theros, not from Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Okay. I don't remember that one from Ravnica, but it may be one that they added to the book later, or it may be from a later Ravnica set, because I know that they revisited Ravnica and Magic the Gathering after I stopped playing. Um, Gotcha. Next is 7v26. Sul Katesh versus Demogorgon. This one's going to be fun. The Demogorgon's just this creepy, scary amalgamation of gross. Sul Katesh is, again, another one of Eberron's kind of shadow deity, someone of the silver flame. And Sul Katesh is the Queen of Shadows, is how they name her. So this one could be very interesting. Either one's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. Uh, next is going to be 6v27, the Copper Great Worm versus the Marut. So here's where our inevitable comes in. And the fact that's coming up against a Copper Great Worm, I think, is going to be kind of interesting just for some of those metallic things. I believe the Copper Great Worm's breath weapon is... Uh, Poison, is I think. Poison, okay, yeah. So so that's going to be interesting because of the Marut as a construct, construct. is going to be Im- immune to poison. Right, so I think the inevitable's got a bit of an edge on this one. 
Correction number two. The Copper Dragon has an acid breath weapon, not a poison breath weapon. That's going to be the big equalizer between those two pretty hefty CR differences. Yeah. Because I think that the Copper Great Worm is a CR 28. I believe so, yes. Yeah. And so it's a 28 Great Worm versus a 25 Marut. But the fact that it's not going to be able to utilize its breath weapon is going to be an interesting limitation. Absolutely. Uh, next is 5v28, the Bronze Great Worm versus Kostchi. So Kostchi is the original wielder of the Great Warhammer Metal Talk that Zeriel winds up getting. She actually takes it from Kostchi at some future point, and I'm going to have a horrible name saying Kostchi. I'll let Ian correct me on that one later. Just- <laughs> get, get as close as you can. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's that consecutive S T C H T C H. Yeah, it's is it Welsh? It might be well. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those that's intentionally difficult, difficult to, say to say as an infernal name. So right, but this is basically a, a avatar of the Frost Giants' rage and war battles for those that had turned against the Frost Giants' gods and gone into some naughtier magics, kind of like Gul'dan did if you were into World of Warcraft lore. So he's big, he's brutish, he smashes things with his smashy stick. You gotta love him for simplicity. Yeah. Next is 4v29, the Brass Great Worm versus the Warforged Colossus. This will be interesting. These Warforged Colossus, Colossi, are fairly terrifying. They lay a lot of things low. That said, the Brass Great Worm has a lightning breath, so this is going to be something that's actually going to affect the Colossus versus where we have our other construct versus a poison breath. That's going to negate it. So this is going to be messy. Uh, I think the Brass is a fire. Is Brass fire? Because Bronze is the lightning. Bronze is lightning, yes. Bronze is lightning, brass is fire. That is correct. Yeah, brass and gold are both fire. The metals look the same. They're both shiny and yellowish, (laughs) and we're calling it good. (laughs) With a copper base, you know. Yeah. Um, Next is 3v30, the Tarask versus Velamachus Lorehold. I really think this is going to be our upset. The Tarask is favored. I think Velamachus is going to pull this one off, and I'm not going to spill too many beans. Strategy-wise, Velamachus has this one in the back easy. This is a mismatch. <laughs> Next is going to be 2v31, the aspect of Tiamat versus Bell. I am so looking forward to this battle. This is straight from lore. This is everything. This is a battle in the Nine Hell as Bell is, you know, commander of the second layer of the Nine Hells, which is a, basically where Tiamat herself is supposed to reside. There's going to be a ton of resentment between the two. There's a huge grudge. They're both from the same plane. This one's going to be fun. Well, I, I don't know... I haven't read too far into Descent into Avernus, but I know that in older editions, Bell was the Lord of the first layer of the Nine Hells. And Tiamat's layer sits where the first layer leads into the into, second layer. Yes, that's correct. It so is. Tiamat is the guardian that keeps things from getting into the second layer. Right, that is correct. So Bell is the Lord of the, was the Lord of the first layer. Now, again, when you get into Escape from Avernus, you do find that he was... Is he the, back to being Zeriel's lieutenant? Yes, he is now Zeriel's lieutenant because, as Madan said, you, you're getting bumped advisor. They hate each other, too. So I kind of hope the two wind up meeting together later down the brackets as well. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. I don't know if Bell's going to pull off the victory against the aspect I, of Tiamat. I don't think that Bell is going to pull off 
this upset. This is honestly. one of, I don't think so either. This is one of those ones where, again, banishing or imprisoning your opponent is not allowed. This would be a main strategy for Bell. Might yeah. pull it off. We don't know. Maybe the dice go crazy for us. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. And then finally, 1v32, the aspect of Bahamut versus Slarkrethel. Slarkrethel is the spell-slinging kraken from Storm King's Thunder. Right. I think Bahamut's got a clear advantage on this one. Oh, absolutely. And again, that's the advantage of being top seed, is you get some of the easy ones first. <laughs> yes. That said, Slarkrethel himself, not a slouch. If he pops up on your table, definitely going to wreck some stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, because... It is a CR-25 dragon. Exactly. All right. So there's our brackets as we are getting ready to dive in. Exactly. So we do hope, like I said, as we go through, we're posting these. We're going to post these as shorts. We're going to try to kind of give a brief battle report and a description of how the battles go after each one. Again, via our YouTube or TikTok. Follow those. This will kind of give you a hint of how these are going to work. If you want to bring these giant beefy monsters that we don't get to see too often on your table, if you just want to have a one-off and say, here's this, bring your best party and throw it against the wall. You know, let's see how it go. This will kind of give you some inspiration how these guys are going to fight and what they're going to do. And mathematically, the way that it works out with a 32 contender pool is we're going to have a total of 31 fights and there are 31 days in March. So we're going to have one a day. And then on the 31st is going to be the main event. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And <laughs> and I think that we should try and live stream it. I'd be great for that. That'd be a lot of fun. I think we should try and live stream the finals for our March Madness. And another thing I did want to bring up, at least for the initial rounds, we are just imagining this on a flat, even plane. We're not throwing much in the way of obstacles, or things like that. Maybe after... The later rounds, maybe the final four or the Elite Eight will start throwing some battle maps to kind of work around and deal with some obstacles in the way. So for now, the first rounds are just going to be flat open plane with no kind of maneuvering or environmental hazards or difficulties. And and I think that at least initially, most of these are going to be theater of the mind because I don't want to make 31 battle maps. Yeah, 31 battle maps. That would be a chore. So that pretty much takes care of figuring out what we're doing. And we promised you that we would do the first fight, which is going to be 16 versus 17, the green great worm versus the topaz great worm tonight. So let's go ahead and roll a D20 All right. and see who gets the high roll. So who gets which? I got a seven. I got a stunning two. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that means I get the green and you get the topaz. Well, I wanted the topaz anyway, so that works out. So it all works out. Okay. That's right. Let me pull up my stat block here. Do you want to talk up the creatures a little bit and describe them as before we do our size, um, different things like that? I mean, yeah, we can. So the green great worm is a gargantuan dragon. So it's going to be a four by four or 20 by 20 mount, if you will, on the battle mat. AC 22, 533 hit points. It's got a fly speed of 120 feet, a land speed of 60 feet, and a swim speed of 60 feet. Immune to poison, deals poison damage with his breath weapon and his bite. Immune to charm, frightened, and poison. Passive perception of 31. Impressive. Because chromatic dragons have expertise on perception. Correct. So with his actions, he's got a multi-attack, so he can do 
a bite and two claws. He can smack with his tail or he can use his breath weapon, which recharges on a five or a six. And as his legendary actions, he can either make a claw or tail attack. He can make a wing attack, which is going to recharge on five or six. Or he can use Arcane Spear, which is basically a high-powered magic missile on a recharge six. Excellent. The uh, Topaz Great Worm is likewise going to be a gargantuan creature. Now, all of the gargantuan dragons, their great worms, are all going to be roughly about the same size. So Ian talked about how the look on, on the map. If you're trying to look at one in person, they're all going to be about 50 to 80 feet tall. They're going to be about 120 feet long, uh, and they're going to have a wingspan of a 140 to 160 feet. So to kind of put that in frame of reference, it's going to be about the size of a seven to eight foot tall building. It's going to be about as long as a runway and it's wingspan a little bit longer than that. Almost an eighth of a mile just in wingspan alone, which is damned impressive. It's almost aircraft carrier sized. It really is. These things are freaking massive. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if you've got, you know, your half orc fighter, that's just ginormous and it's going to look like a little nothing against the toenail of this thing. We're coming through. We've We've got an armor class of 21. We've got 60 foot land speed. We've got a 120 fly speed, swim speed of 60 feet. The Topaz Great Worm, I think, does have one slight advantage here. We have a burrow speed of 60 feet. So that could be something fun to pull out. I'm immune to necrotic damage. I'm also immune to charmed, frightened, poisoned, and prone. So while I can take poison damage, I cannot be get the poisoned effect. So that will give me also a slight advantage with dealing with this nasty, nasty green worm. Except that none of my poison damage inflicts the poison condition. Oh, I thought all poison had a chance to. Not, a, not unless it specifies. Okay. Well, man, <laughs> I do have true sight for 120 feet. My passive perception's only 25. So I am coming underweighted on that one. Likewise, I have a wing attack. I've got a claw attack. My breath weapon deals necrotic damage, which is a nice touch. Again, something a little different for your gym dragons. My legendary actions, I've got a claw attack. I've got my psionic, which is going to charge on a five or six, which lets me cast psychic spell. Kind of nice, again, with that innate spell casting that a lot of dragons have. And then my psychic beam, which charges on a full six, emits a beam of psychic energy in 90 foot line that does 5d10 psychic damage. So again, I am not terribly underpowered in this. I definitely should be able to hold my own. This is going to be a close fight yes and i honestly think that it's going to depend largely on how the topaz is able to utilize their psionics maybe i've got the topaz dragon has a plan i think i'm gonna be okay we'll see all right let's roll initiative all right see who goes first Ooh, i got a four on initiative awesome let me see here i'm gonna go ahead and i got an eight All right, you go first. Excellent. All right, so again, theater of the mind, these two are just largely in a large flat arena. They're going to go ahead and face off. My Topaz Dragon's going to see this green threat. Topaz Dragon's typically being neutral. Green Dragon's typically being evil. I'm going to eliminate this evil presence from my area because the evil bothers me. How dare this impudent thing even come up to me? It should know its place in life. I'm going to start with my primary action here, and I'm going to make my first attack, which will be my bite attack. So I am going to roll... 14 plus 17, that's going to be a 31 to hit. That'll hit. Okay, so we are keeping average damage on these. So that is going to be, so 26 to hit, piercing, plus 16 force. That's going to be a 36 damage off the top, off my first attack. Okay. Excellent. So now I'm coming up next with my claw. I'm going to slap this thing in the face because, again, it needs to learn its place in life, which is not in front of me. 
7 plus 17 is going to be a 24. 24 hits. And a uh, 16 plus 17, that's going to be, I can do math, that's going to be a 32. <laughs> yeah, okay, so both hit. And again, coming back to our wonderful law of averages. 19 apiece, or 18 apiece. 18 apiece. So 18, 18, that's going to be another 36 points of damage. So there's 72 points of damage in your first round. I'm going to go ahead and take my bonus action, and I'm going to burrow. And I'll use my movement, I'm going to burrow down um, 20 feet. You don't have a burrow as a bonus action. Do I not have burrow as a bonus action? Or I can just take it as a move action then. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to burrow down 20 feet. Okay. Well then, in that case, because I can't see you now. Haha, <laughs> I am hiding. <laughs> I am going to fly up into the air. I'm going to do my full fly speed 120 feet up. And I am going to ready my breath weapon for whenever you come out of that burrow. Okay. Your turn. Excellent. So I am going to use 20 feet of my burrow speed. I am going to resurface. And you're going to have to succeed on a DC 26 dex save. All right, let's go. Yeah, I don't get it. I get a solid 16. <laughs> All right. Then you take 78 points of poison damage. Sweet Jeebus. <laughs> We're going to even this up real quick. <laughs> All right. All right. And because I am 120 feet up, you won't be able to reach me in a standard move action. Gotcha. But what I do have. So at this point, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to use my bonus action here of psychic step, which I can magically teleport to an unoccupied space. I can see within 60 feet of it. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to teleport 60 feet up to you, at which point I'm going to use my my psychic beam here. And you need to roll a make a DC. 26 intelligence save intelligence save yep okay 20 because this is psychic damage uh no that would be a 16 all right so you're gonna take 5d10 averaging out to 27 psychic damage all right that's the end of my turn all right so as my legendary action <laughs> i'm going to use my arcane spear and i'm Ooh. going to create four spears of magical force so you're going to get hit with all four of them and take 48 points of force damage ouch all right top of my turn i'm going to roll for recharge on my breath weapon that's a one i do not get my breath weapon back but what i am going to do is i'm going to close the distance and i'm going to multi-attack you okay so starting with the bite that is going to be a 14 plus 18 32 that hits for 21 piercing plus 13 poison, so a total of 34 damage. Okay. And then the first claw is going to be a 9 plus 18, 27. 27 also hits. For 19 points of slashing damage. Slashy slash. And, and then 8 plus 18, 26. 26 also hits. For another 19 slashing. And that is my turn. Excellent. So my turn, I'm going to go ahead and roll to recharge just in case. The psychic beam does not recharge, but I'm going to use my second legendary actions of psionics, and I'm going to cast uh, reverse gravity on you. So I need a uh, deck save of 26. Um, no. So your mighty form plummets to the earth. And no, it would reverse gravity would repel me from the ground. Oh, crap. That is correct. That was the opposite so, I wanted to do. Damn it. <laughs> so well, we're still flying. And, and I'm, <laughs> it, yeah. And so I'm still flying around. <laughs> So, Woo! that did not work that was the opposite of what we we're going for great <laughs> and so now i'm still there in front of you yes so i'm gonna go ahead and close in and i will use my breath weapon at this point and that will also be a deck save for you uh, that's a 19 that's not enough okay i think it's 71 71 necrotic yes yeah, 71 necrotic who buddy and then i will use my movement 
and I'm going to go down my full 120 feet back to the ground while you are being held alive. I'm going to get an attack of opportunity against you as you leave my threatened space. Okay. So I'll use my tail because that's going to be as you leave my 20 feet reach. So okay. I think that barely hits you with a 21 versus AC. That matches AC, so that does in fact hit. Yeah, I rolled a three. <laughs> So that is 19 bludgeoning damage. And it says you have to succeed on a DC 26 strength save or be knocked prone, but you are immune to being knocked prone. Prone. So I just take it. I take 19 points of hitting. Okay. Yeah. And then you fly down. All right. So on my turn, I'm going to start with seeing if my arcane spear recharges. It does not. You are out of range for my other legendary actions so i'm not going to do any of that i got my breath weapon so recharge on that i got a five so that recharges i'm gonna go ahead and use it again okay so make a dexterity saving throw dc 26 i got a what's my no i get a plus 10 so yeah i'd have to roll like a 16 or higher no i got a 14 on that one How do you get a plus 10? You get it's, a plus 2. It says, my saving, save. it oh. says my saving throw is dex plus 10. Oh, geez, I've been looking at the wrong line. Well, <laughs> shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. So I may have actually saved on one of those, but eh, yeah. whatever. That's on me. Take this as a lesson, kids. Read your saving throw blocks. Read, read your saving your blocks. <laughs> so you take 78 points poison damage from my breath weapon. Ouch. And I am going to use my 120 feet of movement to fly back up next to you. Okay. And it's your turn. Excellent. I'm going to try to recharge my psionics. First roll to recharge my psychic beam with a one. That fails. Second one is my psionics for spellcasting. That's a four. So neither one of those recharge. Now I'm going to try to recharge my breath weapon at a three. My dice hate me. So all of that does not. So I'm just going to go in here with pure melee coming into bite. Rolling a 14 plus a 17 gives me a, yeah, a 31. You hit on everything that's a five plus. Okay. So again, that winds up being 20 points of piercing plus another 16 of force. And then my two claw attacks coming in with a 16 plus and a another 16 plus. So they both hit. So those are also going to deliver uh, 18 points each for a total of 36 on that one as well. So 72 more. Okay. 242 damage overall. All right. And much like the scene in Jurassic Park with the Raptors, I'm just going to sit there and scream at you at this point (laughs) because... I'm flavor. You're not going to try and move away? Not this time, no. Okay. Well, then on my turn, I am going to first see if my arcane spear recharges. It does not. I am going to use my legendary action to make another tail attack. So that is going to be a 25 versus AC. 25 hits. For 19 points of bludgeoning damage. Alrighty. So on my turn, I'm going to see if my breath weapon recharges. It does not. I'm going to go ahead and multi-attack. So bite. That is a natural 20. Oh my, we got our first critical, boys and girls. This is going to hurt. (laughs) Yes, it is, because both of these are dice. So 58 points of damage between piercing and poison. Then claw number one is a 7 plus 18, 25 for 19 damage. And the other claw is going to be an 8 plus 18, 26 for another 19 damage. Nice. So this green dragon is starting to get to a point where I'm feeling it. Yeah, they're just fed up with this. And and that bite that was going in, that was the neck lock. Yes, absolutely. Ripping out a chunk. 
Now, at this point, generally, depending on your party, this would probably be a point where the Topaz Great Worm would nope out and probably try to plan a fight for another day. But there is no noping out in this scenario. So I'm going to go ahead and roll to recharge my psionic beam. Does recharge on a six. My psionic powers do not recharge on a three. And my breath weapon do not recharge on a four. So I'm going to go ahead and blast that psychic beam at you again. So again, that is a DC 26 intelligence saving throw. Um, It is impossible for me to make that. I rolled a 19 and I only got a 24. So So that deals 27 psychic damage or a 5d10. 27. Okay. At this point, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to use my multi-attack as well. So going back to my bite gives me a six plus. So six plus 17 is going to be my 21. Does that hit? 23. Oh, so the bite misses again. Nope, nope. You rolled a 23. A 23. Oh, yes. Six plus 17 is 23. I can math, boys and girls. <laughs> and that, that hits. That does hit. Okay. So again, that's going to be another 20 piercing and 16 force. My claw attacks both are coming in at a 24 and a 33. Those both hit. So those do 18 points of damage each. And again, since we are back on the ground, I'm going to go ahead and burrow down 30 feet. All right. I'm going to make an attack of opportunity as you leave to try and start burrowing. Okay. Um, With my tail, that's going to be a 13 plus 18, 31. 31 hits. So you take 19 points of damage. Okay. So first off, check and see if my arcane spear recharges. It does. Oh my. See if my breath weapon recharges. It does. Ooh. So I am going to fly back up into the air 120 feet, and I'm going to ready my breath weapon for when you come back out. Okay. So I'm going to stay down. I'm going to see if my spells here will recharge my psionics and my breath weapon. So again, this is going to be more of a tactical maneuver for the Great Topaz. I am hurting quite a bit, and I am safe where I'm at, and I'm going to seek any advantage that I can. So again, uh, testing for the psionics. The uh, psionic beam does not recharge. At a five, my spell casting does. My breath weapon next is going to be a three, so that does not. So I am going to maintain where I'm at, and I'm going to wait because you can't touch me meh (laughs) all right well all of my stuff has recharged okay so the green worm is just going to hold position and keep that breath weapon ready excellent until you pop out okay again waiting to recharge here my my uh psychic beam does recharge on a six my breath weapon does not recharge on a four. Now, this is something I do have. I am wondering, again, this would be another DM call because as a bonus action, I have changed shape where a great worm can magically transform to any creature that is medium or small while retaining its game statistics other than its size. This transformation ends if the great worm is reduced to zero hit points or using uses a bonus action to end it. So therefore, if I hop out of a burrow as a bunny, would you know? Well, I mean, that would probably be like an insight check. That would be an So you want to roll an insight versus deception? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that'll be a charisma roll for me. So I get a plus seven on my charisma. And then my insight is going to be a plus five. So I got a 13. I rolled a natural 18 plus seven. Okay. So he. I am little bunny foo-foo. And I'm still up there with my breath weapon readied for whenever I see this dragon. Right. Excellent. So I am doing my best sneaky sneak. Gonna go ahead and... So are you still holding your action for your turn? Well, I mean, there's nothing else that so I can, can do. do. Okay. So going through, seeing if my breath weapon finally recharges, it still does not recharge. At this point, though, I think I am sneaky enough and I'm on the ground. So 
I'm going to use my trying to see if I can psychic step, but I can't psychic step and unbunny it. The same bonus action. So I am kind of pinned down to a point. So I'm going to go ahead and, oh, how am I going to do this? Because I'm hurting. I'm hurting bad. I wish I had a heal factory here. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and break the chain shape. I'm going to go back to my dragon form and use my legendary. First, I'm going to use my legendary action and use my psychic beam. So again, that's a DC 26 intelligence for 27. I mean, I literally cannot. Can't. Okay. So that's a quick um, 27. And upon seeing you, I'm releasing my breath weapon. Okay, go for it. So make a deck save, DC 26. Come on, big scores. 14 plus 10, 24. I just barely miss it. 78 points of poison damage. Oh, that hurts so bad. All right. At that point, I can use my full movement speed to get to where you're at, and I'm going to go ahead and use my multi-attack. So I've got my bite for a 16 plus 17. That's going to hit for, again, another total 36. And my two claw attacks is a 17 plus four gives me another 21 that hits 17 plus four 21 does not hit. Oh, are you my, not my AC is 22. Oh, my claw attack just missed, but my next one's a five and my second one does hit. So again, I am definitely feeling the effects of this battle here. Uh, that's the first attack that's missed. Missed. Wow. So again, for a total of 36 on the bite attack and then one claw attack for 18. I am to 20%. Okay. I've taken 422 points of damage. Whew. These things are just dealing it out hard. Oh, yeah, this is rough. So I am going to, at the end of your turn, go ahead and use my legendary action to arcane spear and hit you with four spears for 48 points of damage. Is there no save on that? Nope, because it's a magic missile. That takes me down. I was at 21 points, and so that is enough to drop me to the ground, and I crumble into a cheap, cheap, druzy, amethyst geode (laughs) that a bunch of humans are going to run over and sell at crystal shops next week. All right. That was a lot of fun. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That went closer. Now, again, unfortunately, my psionic spells were not too much of an advantage for me. I was thinking reverse gravity. I could drop you as in reversing gravity. The only thing that could have helped potentially would have been time stop and then backing away. I should have thought of that afterwards or beforehand. I just realized that probably been one of my best bet to disengage with you. But I got to use some new spells, got to do some new things. I think the hiding and trying to be subversive and coming back out, given different scenario, could have worked a lot better for me, but probably was not my worst idea. Um, You really, in order to take full advantage of time stop, you have to have some sort of self-healing. Yeah. If you had had, you know, the ability to cast like heal or cure wounds, something like that, where you were only targeting yourself, you could have sat there for the full duration of time stop, however long it was, because it's 1d4 plus one rounds. So you would have gotten at least two heals off on yourself. Exactly. Unfortunately, that was not on the granted spell list. The other thing, again, I was thinking was if I had you time stopped, I could back away out of your attack range without prompting those attacks of opportunity. And that's something I should have considered earlier. The other thing you could have done is bonus action psychic stepped. Yes. Damn it. I should have thought of that as well. (laughs) Again, we learn as we play. (laughs) Yeah. So that takes care of the first fight of our March Madness. So the green great worm does defeat the topaz great worm 16 over 17 and advances into the second round. Awesome. So that was a lot of fun. That was a lot. I, of fun. I look forward to doing more of these. 
Yes. As the month progresses. Yeah, these are going to be great. I think I'm going to learn a lot as well. Again, as a DM, you get to do so much, but you really do learn playing on the table. You can read stuff all day long, but until you get it on the table and you actually hands-on, you know, again, it's the same thing versus book learning versus hands-on in the real world as well. Kind of gives you that better feel of how your creatures are going to work. So definitely a fun exercise. I love it. And the green definitely got some great luck. That critical hurt a lot. That crit (laughs) Not just that crit, but their breath weapon recharged twice. Right. And where mine so I was able to hit you with three breath weapon attacks. Yeah. And again, my D6 just, he's going into D6 dice jail. Banishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed our little bit of tete-a-tete at the end if you have any comments suggestions or ideas or if you want to send in your completed bracket for a chance to win our dice box slash spell slot tracker send us an email at undercommontaste at gmail.com you can also contact us through our twitter account at uct homebrew we are on instagram and facebook at undercommon taste we are also on patreon patreon.com slash undercommon taste that's where you're going to be able to find your bracket to download and fill out an email to us to enter into the competition. That is also where we put all of our various write-ups. We have recently uploaded several from Akron, and we have also recently uploaded our River Crust, which was the monster that we created last week with Declan. It does everything but sing. It does do everything but sing. (laughs) So all of those write-ups are available on Patreon. Some of our write-ups are patron-exclusive, Most of them are free for everyone. If you like what you see, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please consider becoming a patron and helping us support the show financially. Once we have enough money coming in from Patreon every month, I'm looking to start getting transcription service for the podcast so that our hearing impaired friends will be able to have a transcript that they can read instead of trying to listen to the audio medium. Oh, excellent. That'll be wonderful. But that's going to be once we have enough patrons to actually be able to do that because I can't afford to do that out of pocket. Correct. We are also on Discord. You can find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Excellent. You can find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you've heard this from a friend or stumbled across it somehow, again, go to your favorite podcatcher. We're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google, Spotify. Search us under Common Taste. As always, please give us a rating and a review. This helps increase our visibility and lets us know what you want to hear more of. We will also be posting a link to the Patreon for this on our Instagram and our Facebook. So this will help you if you're on those platforms to find where our Patreon link is. So if you're interested in doing a bracket, you can do one as well. Yes. And again, because it's still kind of new, um, we will be doing our daily updates for March Madness as shorts through our YouTube channel, which you can find by searching under common taste, or you can find on our TikTok channel, which is under common underscore taste, uh, mainly because I wasn't sure how it worked whenever I was setting it up and I have to wait 30 days before I can change it. <laughs> but that's where we're going to be posting our updates and we will also link it to our Twitter account so you can find it there. Thank you so much for listening today. Stay safe and we'll see you next week. Happy gaming. Thank you for listening to another episode of Undercommon Taste. 
You can find links to all of our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, as well as our Patreon and Discord channel in the show notes. Our theme song is Massacre Anne, written and performed by Mary Crowell and used with permission. You can find more of her work at marycrowell.bandcamp.com or on Patreon at patreon.com slash drmarycrowell. Our logo was illustrated by David Sutherland. You can find him on Instagram at willx underscore 73 or on DeviantArt at deviantart.com slash David Sutherland. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe. We'll see you again next week.